Hello, everybody, and welcome. How are you feeling today? I hope everyone is doing well, and I hope that you are enjoying the reading of Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture as Much as I Am. It's been a real blessing to me so far. So, as we continue, our subtitle begins with Look Up. And we have, we're still reading from what I believe is Susan's point of view or her, her rendering for this book. Until we get to our heavenly destination, we will find ourselves easily distracted with the mundane routine, the, the trials and tribulations of living in a fallen world, and the frustration of our own sinfulness. We struggle to look up to God and become like him. Ask Peter. In Matthew 14, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. They were exactly where he sent them when a raging storm beat upon them. Jesus went to them, walking on the wild water, and said what he says to us. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter asked for permission to get closer to Jesus, and Jesus said, come. Peter fearlessly got out of the boat and walked on water. Then it happened. His eyes wandered, and so did his heart. He looked down at the wind and waves and began sinking. Then he remembered. So he looked up and called to Jesus, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Even though he walked on top of the water for only a few moments, they were moments of intimacy with Jesus. They were flourishing moments. I was with my dad the last three days of his life. Shortly before he took his first breath in heaven, he opened his eyes wide, and with a look of wonder, he raised his hand and pointed up. Look, he exclaimed. His arm fell to the bed and his eyes closed. What? What did you see, Daddy? I asked. His voice was weak but joyful. You can't see it? I could not see what he saw, but one day I will. This memory reminds me to look up. Gathered. Psalm 92.7 describes those who look down and flourish like grass. After a few days of blazing heat with no water, Grass withers. Its flourishing is temporary. Where we look determines what we worship, and what we worship determines what we become. Those who make idols become like them. This is the destiny of those who do not know God, and their destination is destruction. But we are elect exiles, and God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the psalmist points us to Jesus, who is our hope for a future. Psalm 92, 8 through 11 presents the gospel. When we study scripture, we should always drill down until we see the hope, until we see the hope of the gospel. The horn of an animal is a symbol of power. It is a weapon. Scripture refers to Jesus as the horn of salvation. Recall another Sabbath when this horn was exalted. God poured fresh oil on his anointed one, and he rose victoriously from the grave and ascended on high forever, scattering his enemies and securing our destiny. To glorify God and our destination, the home, Jesus, is preparing for us. God scattered his enemies, but he gathers his people. I love the intimacy and comfort of this word. Scripture sometimes describes death as being gathered. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. The psalmist prayed, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from, our, from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. A gospel gathering was anticipated when the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations. And on this side of the cross, we anticipate the full gathering. Now concerning the coming, excuse me, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. Stand firm. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. But how do we stand firm? How will we be comforted and established now? Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, O church, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jerusalem was not willing, but are we? Jesus uses the tender imagery of a mother gathering her brood, just as he did with Peter. Jesus calls us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It really is that stunningly simple. Are we willing to repent and turn to Jesus? We never outgrow our need for the grace of repentance. 
Repenting women who find rest in Jesus become life-giving women who flourish as gatherers. When our heart is Christ's home, we become homey places for troubled hearts to find refuge, even if we are confined to a hospital bed. Pray for grace to cultivate a welcoming place for the discouraged and lonely. Aging with grace increases our capacity for this gathering ministry. The next section is entitled, Stay Close. Psalm 92 is a communal hymn. Those planted in the house of the Lord sang it together. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, generally means the, get, the earthly gathering of God's elect. Flourishing happens in community. Old age is a time to press in close to community life. Even if we cannot always attend, we can pray for and encourage others. It takes spiritual discipline to look up and maintain a, an eternal perspective. We need the means of grace, scripture, prayer, worship, sacraments to remind us. We need fellowship with God's people to inspire us. Paul reminds us of the contrast between the destiny and destination of those who hope in God and those who do not. He encourages us to stay close to the gathered ones. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. When we gather with others in our local church, we look around and see hopeful exiles who are awaiting the Savior. We see women whose husbands left them, parents grieving the death of a child, widows and widowers, a young mom who is battling cancer, the elderly who live with chronic pain, but a constant smile. The pain and sorrow of this world spills into their lives. But these earthly realities do not stifle their growth in grace. They grieve, but not as those without hope. Dear reader friend, by the power of the resurrected Christ, be one of the hopeful ones who make the moment-by-moment -moment choice to trust and obey Jesus. Then you will give a flourishing legacy to the next generation. They can look to you and say, I know she's lonely since her husband died, or I know she's sad her children do not trust Jesus, or I know it's hard being dependent on a caregiver, but look at her. She does not lose heart. Jesus reminds us of the importance of covenant community when he says, we're two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. A temptation of old age is to withdraw, 
but we flourish when we gather with God's people because he is also there. When our grandchildren, Hunter and Mary-Kate, were four and six years old, we drove through a beautiful neighborhood to see the elaborate Christmas lights. As we passed, as we passed lavish homes, one and then the other said with wonder, our mansion is bigger than that one. I wondered if they really thought their modest home was a mansion. So I asked, what mansion are you talking about? One of them responded, our mansion in heaven. Three years later, their baby sister, Annie Grace, died. A couple of weeks after her death, we celebrated Mary Kate's birthday. When she opened her present from her younger sister, Susie, she said, I want this to be from Susie and Annie because I know Annie has a gift for me made from gold and jewels that she will give me one day. That, my sisters, is the ultimate reality, not because Annie deserves to be in heaven, nor because we deserve to join her there, but because of God's amazing grace, Annie fulfilled her destiny and went to her destination. Susan now shares a story by, about a woman who is called Pam. This is Pam's story. At age 70, I did not feel old. I thought life would continue as it had for Wilson and me for the last 50 years. After Wilson retired from the pastorate, we accepted a call to another church. Something about Wilson's preaching alerted me things were different. For 45 years, Wilson preached without notes, but he started forgetting little things. The doctor diagnosed him with mild cognitive impairment. Our plans for the next 15 years disappeared. Wilson and I both longed to flourish like a green leaf as long as God gave us breath. But what would flourishing look like now? That was seven years ago. One of the biggest challenges I continue to face is what I want in my life now and what is. Daily, I ask myself, do you believe his plans for us are plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope? Just when I feel useless because I am not the pastor's wife and I'm not sure of my role, the Lord encourages me that loving and helping his people flourish is his call for me in this season. I am thankful I can still teach women's Bible studies, mentor young moms, disciple pastors' wives, and host guests in our home. As Alzheimer's is stealing my husband's memory and his needs grow greater and my strength weakens, the body of Christ grows more precious. Friends take him to Bible study, hiking, and out to lunch and breakfast, and they are available to help me. As they come alongside Wilson and me, I am enabled to help other women flourish. But as Wilson continues to decline, the day might come when I cannot invest in the lives of others. What will flourishing look like then? The most important way to demonstrate Jesus in me 
is to love, honor, and care for Wilson. It is hard and sad. I could never do it without the one who promises to give us strength. Our children remind me that this season may be the most important of all of our years of ministry as others observe our long goodbye. By God's power, may I sprout and bloom profusely till he calls me home. Even as his memory is slipping away, Wilson reminds me daily, whate'er my God ordains is right, and it is good. Ladies, I'd like for you and anyone else who might be listening, I'd like for you to reflect on these questions. Which growing in grace principle is especially helpful to you at this point in your life and why? Second, what do you see when you gather with your church family? Third and last, how are you a gatherer? Thank you for listening and we will see you next time in the Lord's will. Good night or good afternoon and maybe even good morning. Take care.